And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.33, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning. And joining me now is our good friend, Miss Barb Lampson, talking about gardening this morning. And yes. it's it's kind of nice and cool, which is a nice time to be out and work in the gardens. And, it is you know, nice. I think some of the bugs don't like it as much either. No. Well, good morning, Karen. It's good to be here. You know, um, you can do so much more when it's cool, but when it's cool and wet, you, <laughs> <Then> you can't. <laughs> that that keeps you right out of the garden. But you know what? I cleaned my greenhouse. Good for I you. was out there with the vacuum cleaner. I was vacuuming the floors. This is the shop vac. I was washing pots, and I put a little order in it. It's not done yet, but it, is it ever done, Barb? No, Never. it's not because then I'm in there and I'm messing around again. But I did start stacking things up. And it was, uh, I, I packed, took some big plastic bags, and I hauled my recyclable pots uh, back into drummers. They always take them there. They yes. take them other places, too. And can you believe this? I didn't even stop to shop. Whoa, I, what's wrong? What happened? Were you sick? It was a rainy day. And <laughs> okay. It was stormy. <laughs> I wanted to get outside. back home again. <laughs> yeah, but it's something, you know, uh, think about doing that. Don't let them just pile up and then just say, I'm going to put them in the garbage. Don't do well, that. Well, you know, a lot of times I will save those those pots because then I will use it to start things next season. So yes. this year, in fact, I had to go back to drummers and ask if they had any of the recyclable ones that I could have. So some of the plants that I started by seed, I could plant them in a little bigger pot before sure. they went outside. So sure. so sometimes you want to, you know, but yeah. sometimes it gets unmanageable with how many you have. Yeah, exactly. And what I did do with the ones that I kept, because on the small, when you transfer, make the first transfer of plants into their individual pot, which is about what is that, about an inch and a half, would you say, in size? Uh, the, those, they're square. They're about an inch and a half, aren't they? You Across mean, an inch. You mean the little, the starter ones? No, after you transfer them from the, tra- uh, from the starters. I think they're three to four inches, aren't they? Are they that much? Are they? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise they'd be okay. just, I think the, the starter ones are about an inch and a half. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm not good with, with size Dimensions. <laughs> yes. Spatial. But, and then they fit into tray. I got those, you know, I saved those. Yep. And I washed them, and so I, I've been cleaning up pots and, and stacking and sorting. And, you know, sometimes you've got too much, too, also. So that goes back in as well. But I just wanted to mention briefly that we were on a wonderful tour of gardens Yes, uh, this to w- the Fisher Farm. As part by, of the Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners Meeting, yes. you organized this wonderful tour. Yes, this Marion Fisher was one of my instructors when I went to the University of Minnesota, Waseca, taking horticultural classes. Very humbling woman. And we were fortunate enough, our class, to visit her farm. And that was probably 25 or 30 years ago. And according to the sheet that she they gave when they we went to their, their farm, they have been gardening 47 years on that right. spot. Oh, my goodness. You would think you had gone into some arboretum somewhere. Yes, yes. And it has evolved over the years. Uh, now where the rose garden is, that's where she used to have her perennial, her her, her uh, vegetable garden. And here's something that's really great and not so great. Um, four years ago, they had they had these wonderful fruit trees. The plum trees... A farmer did aerial spraying, oh, no. and since then they haven't been able to get any fruit. And they found out that they just don't have pollinators anymore. Because they killed them off. Yes, it did. It really did. And so now she has taken out the perennial flowers that she had in this one area, and she's putting in all things that 
pollinators want, which there are a lot of perennials that, that the, you know, the pollinators will feed on too. So big area dedicated to just anything that pollinates, butterflies, bees, uh, all of those things. And and now I was looking at their property and it's just beautiful. Well, one thing they have that I don't, and I think you can manage a, a bigger property, is they have some different irrigation systems that they can water their plants and their and the the things around because otherwise it's just so much because I, I find myself spending so much time watering. Yes, yes, that's true. You know, one of the things that I thought was really great in the vegetable garden, they had made a table out of cement, a yes, cement table a work top, table, yes. a work table with a drain with water and um, and they had little shelves that you could pull out from underneath with some cutting tools and that. So you could clean up your vegetables right there and then they had a container there to put uh, uh, the tops and things in so it goes right into the compost. Yeah, and they also had fencing around everything so it doesn't get eaten up too. <laughs> oh, that that was great. A great, and, and they've had this for a long time. Um, but they're there house. all the time too now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was going to say, that's one thing. They used to work, and they say now, they but it's got grown so big, right. but they can hardly maintain it. But you mentioned the treehouse. Yeah, that was something they did for their kids. Yes, exactly. And because Mrs. Fisher's husband is an engineer, he had electricity in there. But you know, talk about... Uh, uh, he gives her credit with, with running this and keeping this going because for two years he was in Finland. He's an engineer and he was working there. So uh, uh, she said, you know, anything that you can eat, that's his domain. Okay, and, yeah, and he's the vegetable guy and yes. she's the flower. But there was a lot more flowers and foliage <laughs> than there was vegetables. Right, and and they are using pine needles, which you don't oh, no, see. no, no, pine bark. Pine bark, yes. which you don't often see here. But it's uh, wonderful. It is. It's real fine. And they said it's it's so much better for the plants. They buy it by the semi-load. Yeah, the, for, for their mulch. And it makes it look like it's a woodland f- uh, forest floor, just so natural looking. And so I thought that's what I want to do. Because, you know, we generally use wood chips and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, and I mean, they're okay. But the thing about wood chips is that they do take some nitrogen from the soil. Not a right. lot, but some. Right. And also they, they I don't know, just... I, I just think these finer pine bark just look more natural. I like and, that, yeah. But they are expensive because I went to look. I said to Jeff, I'm going to get all pine bark for mulch now. And, you know, he's like, okay. And uh, it was like four or something per two cubic foot, foot bag. So sure. it's not as cheap as the wood. So you mentioned your daughter, though. She In has, Georgia, right? Yeah, in Georgia, which is where a lot of these pine bark mulch right. comes from. Right. Uh, the, you know, the pine forest. It, it's just amazing the way how fast things grow there because it's sandy soil and they get lots of rain and it's and it's uh, it's humid and and the pine trees just really grow and they use pine needles and as a matter of fact in the forest and that they go in they have a, a machine that's, you know, gas powered machine that bales them and then you buy them in the store, and uh, and they're great. And they break down. They improve the soil. They're they're really nice. And they put you, you know several inches, you know five six inches at a time down. Yeah. So, so that was a great night. A great. It was very beautiful. I I don't know if they opened it to the public or not, but my goodness, that's a beautiful. I mean, it's worth belonging to a garden club just to see some of these places. Yes, yes, that is so true. Uh, you know, one of the things that I read about in the paper this morning that's, it's always, I'm easily shocked and surprised, <laughs> but I, 
read in the paper this morning that the West Nile virus has already been discovered in in water in Minnesota and certainly here in southern Minnesota as well. So this mosquito that carries the West Nile virus, uh, if you go outside, you should try and keep everything covered up. Now that's just about impossible. And when you're, it's not so bad when it's cool. So they recommend if you're going to use a spray that you use DEET. That's D-E-E-T. Boy, I hate to use that. I hate to be spraying that. It's not good for my asthma. I don't think it's good for my skin. I think if it keeps the mosquitoes off, you know, what does it do to me? Uh, the other times it's, when... The, what's the worst of two evils? That's the thing you got to yes, look at, though. Yes. The, the mosquitoes are most active, you know, early morning and then... Dawn and dusk, right? The, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So if you can kind of avoid those times. But one of the things that I found out this year is... You absolutely have to wear socks. You know, I have some garden uh, shoes that I wear, and I've got these, you know, rubberized shoes that you use when it's wet and it's damp outside. And you've got to wear stockings with them and pull them up as high as they go because mosquitoes or gnats or whatever is out there, they like to bite around your ankles. That's you know, we used to call kids ankle biters, but that's, that's the bugs, <laughs> right? It's 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 bug bites. So right. so so just bear that in mind and wear a hat too, and uh, grow your hair a little longer around your neck and around your ears. <laughs> We're so. telling a lot of fashion tips too here. Yeah, yeah, right. And then for your plants, oh my goodness. Okay, so this is just a little brag. You know, last year uh, we had uh, a real problem with uh, bugs up at our garden up at, at Good Council. Mm-hmm. And um, we had, um, oh, what was it? I'm trying to think. What was the beetle that the insect? Flea beetle? Flea beetle. We had the flea beetles. Well, Everybody. I've got those something fierce right now at the, the house at the lake. They've skeletonized my salvia. They have skeletonized my squash and pumpkins. And, I mean, they just look like there's just nothing, nothing, nothing hardly left. But those little flea beetles are kind of seasonal. So... I'm hoping that, you know, they're here in the spring, and I'm hoping that things, they'll die down, because if mm-hmm. they don't, I won't have anything. You know what I did since last year? I had the flea beetles on my radishes. The Actually, they weren't a failure. I mean, the radishes, the bulb on the bottom was great, but they looked terrible. But it was such a breeding ground for them, right. because you just moved them around, and you saw them flying about. So this year, I raised the radishes under real covers, and I'm going to, I'm happy to tell you, my the foliage is perfect there aren't flea beetles on there so i picked the last of the radishes and now they're out of the garden so if that was attracting them if that was one of their favorite things at least that's that's not there and well, that is one that. of the things that the university of minnesota suggests for control is floating roll covers or other screening and that's something you did right as far as other things you know of course proper weed control is a good thing and re- remove your old crop debris as well and any other trash surface trap like leaves and bark and things because that, that's where they'll they'll um breed and yes and, they'll, they'll stay and you know it. and it's so important to take care of the weeds and things that surround the garden we often weed in the garden but we don't get rid of weeds on the outside and that's where they will just uh fly in there and make their home and then zoom into your garden and then fly back out again so we had the weed whacker up we were oh, weed <laughs> whacking up at the garden here's a great idea because you mentioned the, the radishes <laughs> it says plant a trap crop 
And you know what a trap crop is? It says plant a highly favored crop like radishes, which you mentioned, before you plant your main crop in an effort to attract the flea beetles away from the main crop. Adult flea beetles will be attracted to the tallest, earliest crops available. And once the beetles are actively feeding in the trap crop, they can be sprayed with a labeled insecticide or simply harvested. So, you know, that's the thing I didn't do. As a tr I brought my squash out to the lake with... Uh, garden and there wasn't really anything else up at all. Oh, sure. So that's sure. what I did. I just, <clears throat> right. my squash apparently were the trap crop. You know, the weeds are opportunistic in that they will get in by your plants and they kind of blend in and yes. you don't see them till you get down on your hands and knees. The insects are, are opportunistic. They want to survive too. And so uh, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. But you know what? I'm seeing more and more people using uh, roll covers. They are really a good investment uh, and and now this weekend i think probably on sunday we have to start covering up our cherry tree our shrub it's a shrub because oh. it's loaded with cherries our tree is loaded with with cherries too and it's too high though to cover really yes well, well this when this is the nanking oh, okay. and i always make jam from those and the thing is it isn't the birds it's the little uh, chipmunks. Oh, it isn't the birds, really? No. The, I think mine is the robins, though. The I chipmunks run right up there, <laughs> and they eat the seeds. Oh, they don't care about the cherry, then? No, no. Darn so you can buggers. see them. You can see them. And, and we hadn't seen chipmunks in our yard. And you know what? Those cherries are getting ripe, and they're moving in. <laughs> Could I you see, put a baffle, a giant baffle on your tree? Yeah, I'd like to do that. <laughs> you know, we keep that wrapped in the wintertime yeah. with chicken netting to keep the rabbits out of from eating the bark. And then also, uh, we seem to have more birds in our yard because the raspberries are almost done. Yes, so, my raspberries are getting ripe too, and I was going to ask you about that. Do we need to cover them so the birds and things don't get them, or won't they usually eat them all? Yes, they do. They fly in and they eat. <laughs> I mean, if they've got somebody else's, that's something that they prefer more. But honestly, they get in there and they just sit and eat and eat. It's not like they take one berry and they fly away. Oh, no. I mean, at least in my yard, they come in and they stay for the whole day. Because with this lake house, there's a, I have a whole bank of raspberries. And this spring, I thinned them out, you know, took all the dead sure. ones out. And so now they're just coming on really thick and heavy. I'm so excited. And there's just a tinge of red. So maybe I need to get the netting out. Yes, get the netting out. And uh, I we have some aluminum poles that we put up that we attach it to. And here's, oh, the, okay. here's the other thing I do, because I need to walk under the netting. Oh, so yeah. And then it comes down over the side. But what I do is I take aluminum throwaway pie plates have you ever seen those where you buy yeah, right okay and you make a hole in that and then I tie it onto a part and <laughs> then the the, on the net you mean or uh, yeah and it dangles down and then that blows in the wind too so that maybe the light and the noise are yeah so so there's that movement and and so if I'm not there to shoo them off the pie plates as long as there's a breeze I'll bet that would work with old CDs too oh anything yeah, yeah. anything like that you know yeah, well, absolutely. there I go. I'm going to have to start yes. uh, punching holes and things and <laughs> tying yes. it up and get the net and tell yes. my husband to get out there. Yes, and exactly. And then then you don't have to take the netting off every time. You've got it up high enough, but it keeps the birds from dive bomb right. coming in. I got to do so, that. Yes. All right. Well, here's another problem. Earwigs. And I've heard other people talk about this. And this was a huge discussion on the Master Gardener listserv the other day was earwigs. I had never seen or really heard much about them until last year when people started talking about them. They apparently are becoming more and more of a problem. And they're originally from Europe. 
and they came into the U.S. in the early 1900s, it says, and it's now common throughout much of the country, including here, and it first became notice, noticeable in Wisconsin in the early 1980s and Minnesota in the early 1990s. So apparently that's why we haven't seen them much, but they're those ones, they have little pincher things on oh, them. They're yeah. ugly, but yeah. the pinchers really, they don't have much strength, so it's not like they're going to really hurt you. But you know what? Here, That's a misconcept because if if you... If you get one on you yeah. and you're going to flip it off, they do make a bite. Oh, do they? I, okay. I have gotten a bite oh. already. Yes, yes. They're easy to identify and they they call them earwigs because they they thought that at night if you had them they would crawl into your ear. Oh. <laughs> Yuck. I read that someplace. Okay, well, it causes problems in the, the gardens. They feed on flowers like marigolds, dahlias, butterfly bush, and hostas. And that's what I think is getting my hostas. You know, sometimes we always blame it on the slug. In this case, I'm pretty sure it's the earwig because of the numbers I have seen. And they can, um, larger plants could tolerate some of this feeding, but some of the seedlings and flowering plants can be severely damaged or, you know, even killed by the, the earwig. So how do you management? Well, here are some things you can do. Uh, you should clean up all the, same thing as a flea beetle, clean up all the debris that they can hide under, such as leaves, plant debris, bricks, piles of lumber and similar things, and move the mulch. But, you know, the, the point is I use the mulch to keep in the moisture, so I feel like I'm, what do you do? Right. Okay, I, now let's stop right there. Okay. Okay, here's what, you know, in Alaska where my son is, yes. where it, they're almost in a rainforest there. They're surrounded by mountains. So they don't get a lot of sunlight. They get a lot of rain, and it's wet. And what he does to get rid of a lot of these chewing, eating insects Mm -hmm. is he spreads neem, the powdered neem. Now, we use neem oil to go on the the foliage. But he says if you put it right on the ground, that they don't even want to come there in the first place. Oh, and neem is a natural oil or something, correct? Yes, because... um, um, it comes from a plant, right? So this this is a very very good thing. So I've got neem in the and I've been spreading it, but the problem is, of course, with all the rain, mm-hmm. it washes, but it's still in the soil. So it's is it a powder? You said this I, is you can get a you can either get the oil or you can get the powder. Because I have oil, so yes. would you recommend the powder on the ground or what? Tell me how you do it. Again. Yeah, so the powder is on the ground. You just you just spread it. You just take a little bit, like. Uh, you know, if using a tablespoon and then just just shake a little bit underneath the plant. Okay. And and he said that that is the best way, at least for them in Alaska. That's how they keep. Do and, you think that would help with the flea beetles too? I wonder. You know, I don't know the answer to that. But I, I, but I think I think the neem oil would be good for the leaves. That would be better because when they go to start eating on them, they're not going to. I'm thinking it would certainly keep the slugs off from the hostas. Another thing the University of Minnesota also says, you can set out, and this works for uh, slugs too, you can set out old uh, rolled up newspapers or similar objects to trap the earwigs or place an old tuna fish can uh, baited with fish oil or vegetable oil, and then you set them out in the evening in areas where you're seeing a lot of the earwigs in your garden in the morning, you shake the traps above a pail of soapy water to remove them and you kill them. So that's one thing. It also says minimize excess moisture in the landscape and be sure the landscape has good drainage and that irrigation systems are working properly. And so it says a good strategy when watering is to irrigate more thoroughly and deeply, but less often so the surface of the soil remains drier, and that will help prevent your insects sure, too. Sure, sure. So. And another thing that I've been doing this last week is uh, uh, if you have flocks, you know, 
thin them out. Uh, any of those perennials like phlox or obedience plant so that there's air circulating in the in between in in the plant itself and if you think if you've got a plant and it's gotten too big maybe you have to divide it and you'll have with it being as cool as it is you can put half of it someplace else so you've got good air circulation throughout the garden say i went to um we, we were looking last night at some different plants and things i didn't buy i didn't buy any or did i no i don't think so but I noticed at one of it was a big box store. Of course, they have things really cheap, and they had a lot of powdery mildew going on. So yes. you don't want to pick up those no. if they've got like a light little kind of a white looking on them, powder looking. Right. Don't get them. Yes, you'll get it in your yard then. Yes, check your uh, uh, peonies now because uh, if they're not getting enough air circulation, they will get powdery mildew on them. And keep checking the flocks. That's just notorious, and it starts right with the flocks at the bottom. And it's a fungus. So, I mean, with I know last year the peonies got it, and I ended up just cutting them off uh, at the bottom because I didn't want it to spread to everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you know, th- uh, that's the best thing you can do. If you think you're going to nurse something along, uh, you're, you're probably going to find out that that wasn't such a great idea. Oh, a couple other things I saw that we need to, this is like a, a serious warning about a couple of weeds that are becoming invasive that are very harmful to us. One is the, I just noticed it's a weed watch, wild parsnip and poison hemlock are becoming problems. And there was an article in today's Star Tribune about the poison hemlock and it says it's spreading to parts of Minnesota and it's highly toxic and dangerous to people and pets. And I don't know if I've ever seen this one before, but they say it's uh, becoming invasive. Is it in the water? Is, well, is that a water plant? Let's see. It's native to Europe. It was brought to North America as an ornamental plant, which can grow eight feet tall. Oh it has white clusters of flowers and now is in bloom in parts of the state and sometimes mistaken for the wild carrot or toxic water hemlock. But the poison hemlock can be differentiated from those because it has fern-like leaves and purple blotches of the stems. All parts of the weeds are poisonous, and it says the Department of Ag officials said it's popping up in isolated pockets of the states, including recent fields in southeastern Minnesota. It appears to be spreading quickly near St. Charles and Lanesboro. And if you see this, they want you to call the Minnesota Poison Control Center. Now, do you um, get are you poisoned by from handling it, or is that from ingesting it? Both. It says people have been poisoned by handling the plant. State officials advise wearing a long sleeve shirt, long pants and gloves, and it's often found along roadsides, in pastures, and on the banks of streams and in ditches. So if you suspect a sighting, take a picture and send it to your University of Minnesota Extension office. So that is one, and that is called the poison hemlock. And then you've probably heard of the other one called the poison, or it's the uh, wild parsnip. Have you heard of that one? Yes, it's deadly. Yeah, and and that's becoming more uh, common and spreading as well and that's another one that we should watch out for that's a plant that looks like um other plants so you have to be sure that you know um uh what what you're looking at that there that that parsnip um i've mistaken that i was at a gardener's home and i said isn't that a well parsnip? And they said, no, that's oh, not. No, no. It, it was something that was, you know, really rare and, and wonderful. And I said, are you hmm. sure? I, I, I avoid those when I see those in ditches and things like that. That's what it looked like to me. Well, they're identified. It says the stem is somewhat hairy and grooved, and it's two to five feet tall. The leaves are yep. coarse yep. with sawtooth edges. 
and the flowers are yellow and arranged in an umbrella shape. And it says its appearance is somewhat like the ornamental Queen Anne's lace. Well, I know Queen Anne's lace, and it's it's coarser than that. Queen Anne's lace is very, the flower is more delicate, and the whole plant is more, it's big, but it's more delicate than that. And, but, you know, the thing is, we love to get out in nature, we love to explore, and so don't go picking things and touching things. That and, you don't know about. And breaking things off. They, they are lovely, but, you know, when you think that you could get a rash, or that, well, parsnip is really a bad one. So is that poisonous hemlock. It can kill, I mean, if you yes. ingested this. Yes. So, I mean, we might have them in our garden sometimes and not know it. So yes. that's the thing. Keep the weeds. Get rid of them when they're little. <laughs> right. And, you know, then there's things that are uh, can cause itching in that, but once they're cooked... Then like nettles, like nettles. Nettles is 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 one that my my son said in Alaska. They go out and they they pick nettles, and the, uh, and once the the plant is picked and it starts drying off, it's it doesn't it it's not itchy anymore, and and they eat them fresh in the spring. See, I just have the psychological thing where I'd I'd be afraid to even eat it, just knowing that how how because how it hurts when you pick it. <laughs> you know, I was even hesitant when I was I'm raising this Chinese cabbage, and I thought, what part of this do I eat? Now, is it the stem? Is it the rib of the stem? Is it the flower that comes up here? You know, what part do I eat? And and you should be because, like, look at rhubarb. I mean, you know, um, the leaves are deadly, but the stem is the fruit part that you eat, which is safe. So you know, if that, you're unsure, don't don't do it, and call you know, your extension to find out more right. because you don't want to be in the ER. Yeah, and there's so much good information online too. If you can figure out exactly what you have, that's that's the big thing. Right. Anything else you've got, Barb? Before we go, we're just about out of time. Um, no, except that you know, when it's wet, stay out of the garden, and uh, keep keep uh, looking around, looking on the underside of your leaves. Keep looking for problems before you have them. Like sometimes go out at night with a flashlight. Some of the things, good like idea. the the earwigs and the slugs and things, yes. they don't come out until. At One more thing. Oh yes. You know, last year and the year before, we had earwigs in our mailbox that's out at the road. Why would they want to go in a person's mailbox? Well, they come in people's houses, too. Yeah. And that's what they say the best way to prevent that is to caulk and seal everything up, kind of like you do with bats or any other vermin. But they had to go up a pole to get there. You You must have really tasty mail. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Barb. Always great to talk. Okay. Bye-bye.